Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you are here this morning. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, this morning, we are walking through the parables all summer long. And just as a little side note for you this morning, um, hey, last week we started, to, uh, we uploaded some supplemental teaching. Uh, and so oftentimes when I try to come up here, I got about 25, 30 minutes to deliver like a message. And honestly, I have to cut out so much stuff. And it's like, oh, I can't leave that out. You got to know about this. You got to know about that. It's unbelievable. Hear this. And I just can't cover it on Sunday mornings. And so we're starting to post some supplemental uh, teachings uh, kind of midweek on our social media page. And so you may or may not know this, but Carl Revis, uh, Carl Revis, I'm sorry, Carl, I know Carl Cush uh, has been in our community forever. Carl Revis is an old friend. Um, <laughs> Carl Cush has been in our community forever. And if you don't know them, him, he is a resident scholar. <laughs> We have a biblical scholar in our community that has uh, just a wealth of knowledge that far exceeds my own, and he is going to be doing some teaching that we'll post midweek, and so I'd love for you to check out that stuff. If you got an opportunity, I think you'll find it super encouraging. Um, this uh, morning, we're going to continue in the parables. We are rolling through the parables, and the parables are one of the primary ways that, that Jesus invited people to have a new lens to see the world. Um, to have a new kingdom perspective. It kind of would be like this. Have you ever climbed a really big mountain before? Like I lo I've told you, I love to go camping and I love to be outdoors. And I've climbed some big mountains before. And when you get to the top, the view is spectacular. And there's something that you see when you're at the top of the mountain. There's a perspective that you gain that you do not have when you're at the bottom. But you have to be willing to go on the journey and do the hard work of climbing. You have to be willing to put, on, uh, to put in the work. Well, that is the parables. The parables are this invitation from Jesus that says, come on, I got something really beautiful I want to show you, but it's going to take work, and it's going to take effort, and it's going to take a little bit of grit. But if you do, you're going to have a new perspective that you did not have previously. This is the parables. It's Jesus's invitation to see who really wants to go with him so that you can have a new lens, a new perspective in this world. And so last week we jumped into probably one of the most um, famous parables of all time. We said that last week, if you remember, that if you open up your Bibles, um, the little headings above each kind of section of scripture are not actual scripture. Those are added in much, much, much later. And uh, the passage that we looked at last week is titled in your scripture probably the story of uh, the prodigal son or the story of the lost son. And I said last week, hey, I'm making an assertion and a claim that that is not a good title for the passage um, because actually the story is the story of two lost sons. And last week, I asked you to consider putting yourself or casting yourself in the role of the younger brother. This very rebellious, angry, hard-hearted younger brother that does the shock, the most shocking thing imaginable. He sticks a finger in his dad's face and says, to me, you're as good as dead. Give me my inheritance now. And that is a pretty shocking in and of itself. But what's even more shocking about that is the dad does it. The dad gives him his, his, his share of the inheritance, and the son takes off with a pocket full of money ready to make some bad decisions and finds himself suddenly broke after a certain amount of time. And the story is powerful. It talks about the welcoming nature 
uh, of when we decide we've had enough. When we've hit bottom, God is always ready to welcome you home. Uh, And let me be honest, you cried last week. (laughs) Many of you cried. We watched that video, and that's why we still have the sheets hung up outside. It was just this powerful moment where we get to see the heart of a loving father that says, I'm ready, come home. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Welcome back home. And here's the danger of that. If you walked away thinking that this parable is the story, is a parable of the story of the younger brother, you've made a terrible, terrible mistake. As powerful as that part of the story is, that is only half of the equation. You have to remember that if Riverside, if you are going to be somebody that is biblically, I don't mean this offensively, but biblically literate, where we are chewing on the scriptures and then we're engaging the scriptures and that we're getting them tucked inside of us, then we want to step back from the scriptures and not just jump right in and say, what is going on? Because I've said this thousands of times, every time you open your Bible, you're not reading the same thing, Right? There's poetry, there's wisdom literature, there's prophetic words in here, there's gospel accounts. And so one of the things I've asked us to do as a community is to open it up and step back and look at the context. And this morning, I want to remind you of what is the context that Jesus is telling the story or the parable of the lost son. Look at what it says in Luke 15, starting in verse 1, because context matters. Now look at what it says. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. This is half the equation. This is where we focused our time together last week as we dialed into these riffraff, these varsity-level sinners that show up to hear the teachings of Jesus, that they are assuming that there's no room in the inn, that that they don't even have a seat at the table, that there's no way they should belong. And so Jesus tells half of the parable about the story of the younger brother. And look at the rest of the story. It says this. Look at verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, because that's what hyper-religious people love to do. They love to complain and voice their opinions about things. And look at what it says. They muttered, and they said, this man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Now, roll scene It says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law were there, and they were complaining that Jesus was hanging out with people that did not look like them, that did not have their same values in life, that the trajectory of their life was not going in the same way, and they were upset about it. So Jesus told the parable of the younger brother, and now he's going to be addressing the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time by talking about dialing in to the older brother. And you have to know this, that this is a parable of not of one younger lost brother, but of a parable of two lost brothers. Because you can do this. You can get lost running from God. And that's what we saw last week with the parable of the younger brother who believed that life was not here in dad's house, but life was somehow out there. So you can get lost running from God, but did you know this to, this to be true too? You can get equally at lost at home with God. That you can be equally lost at home with God. That means that you can come to church every single Sunday and be lost. 
That means you can come and you can volunteer in the children's ministry, which I think you should because it's so fun. And you can be equally as lost. We just took up the morning offering for those that call Riverside home and family. Like that's something that we are growing in, that we are practicing our generosity. Did you know you can be the most generous person here on Sunday mornings and still be completely lost? You can stay home and still be lost, especially for those that are like me. There is a very real temptation that if you have been walking with the Lord, you, you would call yourself a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. It is very easy if you are not very purposeful and cautious for us to stay home and be completely lost, completely disconnected from the heart of Jesus. And what will happen is we will develop a very real sickness or a very real syndrome, syndrome called OBS. That's not IBS, all right? I'm not talking about IBS. That's super unpleasant. But equally unpleasant is what I call this, older brother syndrome. And that's what we're going to be dialing into this morning about what does it look like for us to begin to lose focus and to slide over into older brother syndrome because older brother syndrome is really, really simple to define. It's when you lose your heart or you lose your compassion for lost things that you begin as a follower of Jesus to elevate your preferences, your desires, your uh, opinions above what does God celebrate? God celebrates lost things. And when we do that, we slide right over into older brother syndrome. And so this morning, I want to help us diagnose this for our community because Riverside, this is a very, very real thing for us that we have to push back against. And so this morning, I want us to dive into the story of the older brother, looking at it through the lens of this older brother syndrome. And so um, let me set it up for you as we dive into the scriptures. So last week we talked about the son, the younger brother sticking his finger in his dad's face. I hate you. Give me my inheritance. Son takes off to Vegas, loses it all, comes home. Dad welcomes his boy back home and throws him the biggest party of all time. And that's where our story is going to pick up with in Luke 15, starting in verse 25. And I'm going to read it to you. Let's, let's look at this together. It says this, meanwhile, right after the younger brother comes home, the older son was out in the field doing what? He was tending to his father's business, doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was doing all of the right things. He's out in the field working for his dad. And when he came near the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. And so he called one of the servants and he asked him, what is going on? Verse 27, your brother, your brother has come home. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he is back safe and sound. Verse 28, the older brother became joyful. <laughs> he became excited that his younger brother was back. No, look at what it says. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, this idea of just begging with him. He said, uh, pleading with him, but his, he answered his father, look, all of these years I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed you, yet you could never even give me a young goat? Are you kidding me? So that I could celebrate with all of my friends? 
But when this son of yours, who has wasted and squandered your property with prostitutes and comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? Verse 31, my son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have belongs to you. It's all yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And so friends, I want to give you some very real signs that you might be drifting towards older brother syndrome as a warning for us together as a community. And so I want to give you just a couple of ideas. And the first one is this. How do you know that you are developing older brother syndrome? Well, real, real simple. First of all, as you see in the story, the party is not about you. The brother is out working in the fields and he hears music and he hears a celebration. What is going on? And somebody comes out and tells him, listen, the best news ever. Your younger brother has come home. That one that we kind of that you thought was dead and had just wandered off, that one, the wild, rebellious one, he's back home. And so your dad is throwing a massive party for him. Now, there's uh, two people that have a bad day when the younger son comes home. First is the older brother, and then the fattened calf. He has a bad day too. Don't miss the significance of the fattened calf. We talked a little bit about this last week that the fattened calf was a beautiful picture of just, of extravagance. Slaughtering the fattened calf would not be like a Friday night barbecue with you and a few friends. It wouldn't even been um, for today as important as today is, as Father's Day. It wouldn't have been for a day like today. It only would have been reserved, the fattened calf, for the best day of your life. I mean, the best day of your life. That's what the fattened calf was reserved for. And the best day of this father's life is when his younger son comes home. And so he says, slaughter him. And yet, what do you see about the younger, or excuse me, about the older brother? The older brother cannot come in. He is upset and he is frustrated and he refuses to come in and to celebrate what his dad is celebrating. Why? Because the party is not about him. Now, I have two uh, young girls. I have a uh, nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. And it's really strange um, these days to go to birthday parties, particularly for my younger one, uh, Maggie. Because when I grew up, when we would do birthday parties, you would bring gifts to the person having a birthday. But what do you do now? You know what's so funny is when Maggie or Ryan goes to birthday parties, you know who gets gifts now? Everybody. <laughs> It's not just the birthday kid. It's like the, uh, we hand out little goodie bags and treats bags to all the other kids because if not, those kids, particularly some of, some of the little ones in my house, will be upset with you that, hey, wait, what are you talking about? Like, it's their birthday, but you didn't get anything from me? And I'm so glad as adults, as adults we outgrow that. <laughs> I'm so glad that that is not our heart anymore. But the truth is, did you know that God has not designed your life to be about you? Did you know that? That we say around here all of the time that you have to understand that God is 100% wildly in love with you and he is for you. 
but it's just not all about you. That God is 100% for you, but it's not all about you. And you know, this is such a struggle for those that would call themselves followers of Jesus because what we do is we tend to elevate our convictions or maybe our personal preferences or our agendas or how, think, how we think things should work above the party, above being able to go inside and celebrate when lost things get found. And you know where we, this plays out oftentimes, if we're not careful, here in the church, where we elevate our preferences and agendas above being able to celebrate uh, what the Father celebrates. Wait, wait, you don't have that ministry? Why do you not do that at the church? Like, like even if you are doing it, you're not doing it right. Um, hey, wait, uh, the, the music, it, oh my gosh, it's like way too loud in here. Can we go to the back and tell them to turn it down a little bit? Don't you know John? He's really long-winded and he rambles on. I wish he would tighten it up just a little bit. Are you kidding me? I walked in and somebody was sitting in my seat today. Are you kidding me? That is my seat. But don't you know that like, like that, that's a real thing for us, that somehow we have written ourselves as the center of the equation. And here's where I think the older brother cannot get himself. Because the party is not about him, he can't recognize what God is celebrating. Friends, that is older brother syndrome. And can I give you a very real and very sobering question that so few of us will actually have the courage to ask? It's this. Is what is dad going to celebrate today? What is dad going to celebrate today? Because there's only one of two ways that you can get up and out of the bed every single day. One, what's on my agenda today? You know, you know what's on my agenda today? Me. <laughs> I'm on my agenda today. I think things are all about me. That's one honest way that you can get out of bed. Where the other way you can get out of bed is wake up every single day and say, who does God want to celebrate today? Who is lost that is being found? Who has been running that is ready to come home? Who is running that is starting to come back to the Father? Because I want to celebrate what God is celebrating. There's only two ways that you can get out of bed in the morning. Verse 32 says, but we had to. We had to celebrate when, and be glad because your brother came home. What does the Father celebrate when lost things get found. And if friends, brothers, and sisters hear me this morning, it's real hard to celebrate other people if you think it, the party is always about yourself. That's a very sobering reality for so many of us. Definitely, definitely me included. All right, number two. Another sign of older brother syndrome this morning is anger. Did you know that? Did you know that anger is a sign of older brother syndrome? Verse 28 says it this way. The older brother became angry and he refused to come inside. Why do you think, why was the younger, the older brother angry that something that was lost has now been found? The older brother says, 
that he refused to even come inside and to recognize what was going on. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. You know, oftentimes when we get angry is when we don't get what we think we deserve. What is the natural response? Anger. Look at, look at the older, what the older brother says. Are you kidding me? I've been slaving in the field my whole life. I've been doing all of the right things. And this son of yours comes home now? Are you kidding me? What's he really saying? I am not getting what I think I deserve. And what is his natural response? Anger. Anger is a, nor- is a symptom of older brother syndrome. Now, now let, me, let me tell you how this shows up in my life. Um, when my two girls, uh, um, they, we had a sleepover. Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night for my older one, which I don't recommend. <laughs> my... Uh, littlest one was at a friend's lake house for the last uh, four days, which I'm like, woohoo, thank you. Um, but when they came home, they were terrors. <laughs> they were exhausted, and they were full of sass. Can you believe it? They were just wiped out and exhausted. All right, girls, hey, I need you to go uh, take care of the little puppy. Uh, no, Dad, uh, I'm tired. Wait, what did you say? What did you just tell, Dad? You get your bobo up right now, and you take that dog outside. You know, you know what I wish they would have said? Dad, I am so honored that you would ask me to take the puppy outside. <laughs> you are such a great father and have so much wisdom on how to raise a good dog. And so I'm hap- I'll happily do that. But what is my response? Wait, what did you tell me, girls? Or, like, like, like just imagine. Imagine when my beautiful bride, whose birthday is today, uh... <coughs> uh Imagine when, when Christy does not respond to me the way I think should re, she should respond to me. Do you know what this guy does? He gets all salty and huffy and honestly a little bit angry. And why? Because she's not giving me what I think I deserve. And anger is an indicator so often for us that uh, we are getting what we think, what we do, excuse me, we are getting what we think we do not deserve, Right? And I'm just telling you, anger is a symptom of older brother. It's an indicator that you believe that you're not getting what you think you actually deserve. God, you owe me. God, you owe me. Look, I've been slaving at my dad's house, and I've been out in the field. Why are you not giving me what I think, you de- what I, think I deserve? And if we're not careful, it shows up on our journey with Jesus. Like, God, you owe me. Like, like God, this is me speaking. God, I work on Sundays. Are you kidding me? Like, no one else works. I work on Sundays. Like, I'm trying to be as faithful as I can. Why would you not, like, fill in the blank? Like, if we're not careful, what happens is anger has this way of creeping in and just hijacking everything because we think um, that all of our preferences and all of our agendas and all of our, you know, thoughts about something should be happening, and it's just assign an older brother. And what anger actually reveals is when you get angry, please catch this part of it. If you get angry, when you get angry, what you're actually declaring, hang with me, what you're actually declaring is that you value God more for what he's going to give you than what he's done and already accomplished in your life. Friends, that's really hard. That's really, really hard. That oftentimes anger is an indicator. 
It's an indicator for us that we are following God because of what he can give to us all, rather than what he's already done and already accomplished on, my, on our behalf. And Riverside, hear me. Please don't think this is not you. Like, this is me. This is every single, if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is something that we have to battle. Pause. Do you remember when you first said yes to Jesus? I do. I remember just being overwhelmed. The God of the universe, like, knows my name. The God of the universe desires a relationship with me. Like, it's possible for me to get to know this mysterious, beautiful creator. Like, he takes all of my junk and sin and past, and it gets swallowed up on the, by the cross. Do you know what my only, if you had to, like, categorize that season of life that I was walking in, do you know what that, those early phases would be called? It'd be called the thankful phase. Because I just woke up so thankful for everything that he had already done. And that I get invited to get to know him. And here's the problem with this, is the longer we are followers of Jesus, the more entitled we feel. The more entitled we feel to our opinions, to our preferences, and maybe even to our agenda. And here's the trick, if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, the trick for us this morning, the trick for us is to stop being the younger brother, but not turn into the older brother. And friends, that is very difficult to stop being the younger brother and to not turn into the older brother, but have the heart of a loving father. All right, let's wrap it up this morning. Um, the last thing I want to share with you this morning is this. The last sign of older brother syndrome is you have an I'm better than you heart. Look at what it says. Uh, I think it's in verse 28. It says this. Look, all these years I've been slaving. Now listen, like starting any conversation with look, that's not a good way to start the conversation, is it? Like, look at here, I got something to tell you. All these years I've been slaving for you and you never, and I never disobeyed you. Are you kidding me? Like, really? Are you telling me that this son was faithful all the days of his life? No, clearly that's not true. You never gave me a goat to even celebrate with my friends. But look at verse 30. It says this. But when this son of yours, he can't even call them his brother. He can't even call, because he has this I'm better than them heart, he's failed to even see the relational connection to his own family. When this son of yours, not my brother, has squandered your property. Look at what it says. With prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. And it's very easy for us, friends, hear this this morning, to become experts at noticing the really big sins, the really big flaws, the really big mistakes in other people. And not have the courage to turn that inward and check the condition of our own hearts. In fact, I would say if you've been following or walking with the Lord for any amount of time, uh, this is a very real danger for us, is that we become experts at noticing the sin of other people and forgetting to turn that and look at the own, our own condition of our heart. Mark Twain uh, said it this way, 
the sign of a clear conscience is a sign of a bad memory. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really good. C.S. Lewis, uh, a, a faithful follower of Jesus, says it this way. He says this, those who do not think about their own sins make up for it by thinking incessantly about the sins of others. Those who don't have the courage to look at their own life will incessantly think about the sins of other people. This, friends, is the older brother. Because why? Because when you look at the younger brother who ran away, you can see it. You can see his rebellion. You can see him sticking his finger in his dad's face and heading out and squandering it on booze and party and prostitutes and all of that. Like, his stuff is like, we can all see it. It's right there. It's on the table. But you know what's really difficult? Is to see the stuff that you can't see. To see actual the condition of somebody's heart. And this older brother has become so good at noticing the sin in other, people, other people's life that he considers himself now better than everybody else. And it's so dangerous for us when we can recognize the stuff in other people, but we don't have the courage to look inside here, to look at what's going on in here. Like, like I'm not as bad as them. I'm definitely, oh man, like, I'm definitely not as bad as them. Like, they're addicted to pornography. Like, that's them. Uh, but, yeah, I check out the girls at the neighborhood pool, but that's not the same thing. Definitely not the same thing. Like, like that's really bad, but I'm just kind of letting my eyes wander. Not the same thing. We'll justify it. Like, like, have you seen how much she drinks on the weekend? Oh, my gosh. She, I mean, she is out of control. Are you kidding me? Like, she has a problem with excess. But the next day, hey, let's go shopping and run up that credit card. It's not the same thing. Like, my excess is way different than their excess because, I mean, their excess you can actually see, but mine is just sliding the old credit card, and we become experts at noticing the stuff in other and not having the courage to look inside here. Now, friends, this is foundational for us. This is like Jesus 101. It's so easy for us to become experts at spotting the stuff in other people and not have the courage to actually do the hard work of, of looking in here. To look at all of the stuff in our life that still needs sanctification. All of the stuff in our life that still needs to be brought to the foot of the cross. Now, do this with me just real quick. Would you close your eyes just for a second? Just close your eyes. Now, I want you to think. I want you to picture just real one second. I mean the worst of the worst. I mean, just the most horrible person that you can imagine. I mean, when they walk in the room, your blood just boils. I mean, it is, oof. When they come to your mind, it is just deeply, deeply unsettling. Now, you can open your eyes. If you think that that person needs Jesus more than you, probably have older brother syndrome. You probably have older brother syndrome. Older brother syndrome is seeing the need of others and failing to recognize it in ourselves. It's older brother because you can see the, my younger brother's mess all out there. You can't see mine, so it's not really real. 
And let me just tell you this morning, this something that's just foundational 101. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level for everybody. And there is not anyone in here that is not in desperate need of Jesus. Desperate need of Jesus. Now remember why Jesus is telling this parable in the first place. He's addressing two very different groups of people. Last week we dealt with the younger brother. This week Jesus is telling the story of the older brother. And why is he telling the story of the older brother? Because he's saying, listen, you can be equally, equally lost by being really good. You can be equally lost by coming to church every single Sunday. You can be equally lost by staying at home with God. Do you know what keeps me up at night? Most nights. Does anyone have uh, FOMO? Do you know what that is? Fear of missing out. I hate it. Like, I'm afraid that there's going to be like a great party or somebody celebrating something, and I'm not going to get the invite. I know it's an insecurity of mine. Uh, I confess that. But I have a very real fear of missing out. And yet, here's where I think this is really helpful for us this morning. I don't want to miss out on what God is celebrating. Do you know what God celebrates? Not when my opinion becomes really loud my preferences get put on the table. But God loves to celebrate when lost things get found. And I don't want to be somebody that misses out on what God celebrates. Because God celebrates when lost things come home. And I want me and you to be a community that fights, that fights for the heart of the Father. This dad that, that welcomes the younger son home, welcomes him with arms wide open, and a father that also goes and pleads for the older brother to repent, to come back, to say, look, it's all yours anyways. Why? What, what are you talking? It's all, you, everything I have is already yours. There's, there's a relationship that is meant to be enjoyed. An older brother syndrome, you know what it does? It will keep you outside of the party. It will keep you isolated. And ultimately, you'll find yourself alone. And I don't want Riverside. I don't want myself. And I don't want us as a community to develop older brother syndrome. But we can spot it in other people where their stuff is all on the table and I fail to recognize my own where I become angry because I'm not getting what I think I deserve, right? Those are very real things for us. And you can become equally as lost at staying home. And Riverside, I want to tell you this morning, there's a very real invitation from Jesus for you, for us, for us as a community this morning to align ourselves to what God is doing and what God celebrates, what God is doing. Yes! Yes, something that is lost has come home. And you will never be able to do that with older brother syndrome. And so can we do this together as a church this morning? Can we take just a second and pause 
and maybe have the courage to ask the Lord to, to show us where, like where, where has this taken root in my life? Where have I gotten off mission? Where have I thought that the Lord really wants to celebrate my preferences and my agenda and my things and rather than what God actually celebrates when lost things get found? Let's pause. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes just for one second and ask to hear from him this morning. To cast yourself in the role of the older brother. To ask yourself, where has this older brother mentality snuck into my life? Maybe for you, it's, it's really difficult because the party's not about you. Maybe for you, it's, it's anger because you're not getting what you think you deserve and you're valuing him more for what he's going to give you than who he is and what he's already accomplished. Or maybe for you, it's, you're really good at ranking. You're really, I mean, you're really good at noticing the sin in other people, but not have the courage to turn inward. And so take a second just to ask the Lord to search your heart. So, Father, today on Father's Day, God, we receive the heart of a dad. God, that is our heart's cry. God, that we would stop being the younger brother, but we wouldn't turn into the older brother. And God, if there is anything in our lives that needs to get purged up and out, God, we give you full permission to do that right now. God, we don't ultimately want to throw the party for ourselves, God. We want to join your party. We want to celebrate the things that you are celebrating. So God, would you search our hearts? And if there's any hardness, if there's any judgmental stuff, if there's any of that that needs to come up and out, God, we, we ask that you would do it right in this very moment. God, we believe as a community that this is a place that celebrates well when lost things get found and that you are going to continue to entrust us with more and more and more found things. And we can't do that if we're the older brother. And so, Father, we just repent and turn our back on that and adopt everything that you have, God, every offer of the heart of the Father that is available to us. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you for your convicting word this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.
Well, brothers and sisters, a couple quick things just as we wrap it up this morning. Today, dads, because it is Father's Day, we have um, some little goodies and some tasty snacks for you right outside. We'd love for you to pause. I know you got a day to get to, but pause, enjoy some treats for you as you exit today. As always, if something has been stirred up in you, our prayer teams are going to be up here and would love the opportunity to come alongside you. If you have noticed, like I have all week long, man, I got to deal with this older brother syndrome. I still got a lot of areas that need to be, that I need to have some courage in my life to actually look at. Our prayer teams would love the opportunity to pray for you about that. So please come up. They are eager and would love to do that. But other than that, would you stand and would you receive this blessing as we go? And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious and kind to you. May he lift up his face, turn his countenance towards you, and give you his peace, his shalom. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. All of God's children said, amen. Happy Father's Day. Love you guys. We'll see you this week.